Today on the podcast, I have Ollie and Steph joining me to talk all things open, open wrap-up, and really reflect on where the programming for the gym is going to go in the next little while. All right, so uh, thanks for joining me. Great. So the obvious question that people are going to ask is, why did I pick you two? Um, there is a real answer to that, although Steph is a, actually a substitution. I had originally selected Morgan, but sorry, Morgan, <laughs> you didn't make it. So uh, Steph's in your place. But uh, I think uh, Steph and Ollie are a really good representation of a specific niche of the gym. Athletes that don't have two plus hours a day to train. So they're still training like regular people, sometimes very inconsistently yeah, uh, <laughs> um, over the course of the year, but actually still care quite a bit about the performance, uh, the types of people that are likely to reflect on how they did on workouts, care about where the program is going and actually try and address some of their weaknesses to score better the next year. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So when we talk, you know, kind of open wrap up or programming, it makes a lot of sense to have athletes on that care about their performance enough to be able to have those conversations, but train like regular people. So they represent what the average person that goes to the gym is likely able to achieve. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, leading question, Steph, uh, how'd your open go this year? A little self-reflection. Uh, what'd you like and what did you hate? So this was a um, refreshing open for me. I've had a lot of changes. I've obviously moved to Halifax. Uh, the last six months, which has been phenomenal. So thanks for welcoming me. But um, my goal at the Open was honestly to not get injured, have fun, and try and push myself on some of the workouts. But really, the primary focus was not to get injured. So um, for me, reflecting on it, there were a couple of great surprises. Um, a few, you know, sneaky muscle ups, uh, a few wins there. There were some really hard workouts as well. Um, as you, you know. You do travel, you move gyms, uh, you're busy, you maybe don't work on those things you thought you might have had some time to work on. So for me, handstand push-ups was one. Um, but overall, I think uh, it was a, a really fun year and taking a little bit more of a relaxed look at the Open and just kind of enjoying it, trying it out at a couple different gyms for me was, was enjoyable. Um, but uh, definitely things to work on for next year for sure. Awesome. Always same question to you. Um, yeah, just looking at the board, we have the, please are listening, we have all the workouts written up on the board because I can never remember them. Um, this open, I think, like, was a great example of, like, how we have these, like, fluctuating peaks in our levels of fitness and that sometimes you're, you feel like you're as fit as you've been in a long time and then sometimes you feel that you're just kind of cruising and getting on by. And had I, when I look at the workouts this open, there's, like, designed for me like if i could write my own open i feel like these would be my workouts like like the short burner workout was like bar facing burpees which i like and shoulder the overheads are lightweights so that was straightforward like those dumbbell thrusters which i really like in a workout with toes to bar and double unders something else that's i i tend to like hands to push into deadlift i like box jumps clean and jerk pistols is a new movement that came in which i love and then muscle ups wall balls and rowing i'm like if I could write my own open, this is kind of what it would be. So it was a weird, it was a strange one for me because that, that kind of coincided where I was probably not at like a peak of my fitness. Yeah. Like I feel like I was just through some of the things that we've already talked about. Um, I was kind of at like an idea in my fitness, but still had an awesome time. 
this is our pizza because <laughs> we're healthy yeah. people. So I'm going to go get that. Yeah. And of course, we're recording this right now as we prepare for 20.6, our typical gym party that we have at the end of the Open as a wrap-up. We're going to crush some pizza and we're drinking beer while we record this, so apologies in advance. It's just me and Steph now, but now I get to do my soliloquy on the Open, so it's okay. Um, yeah, a lot like Ollie, I feel like uh, I am definitely not at a peak in my fitness for sure. Uh, a year and a half ago, I was much fitter than I am right now, probably. I think the numbers will yield that as well. Uh, we have an interesting test in 20.3 that objectively tells me that I am less fit than the last time I did that workout because it was the repeat and I did much worse this time around. Um, you know, still very, very well by all stretches, but worse for me, which is unfortunate. And uh, I have been traveling. I was away for three weeks teaching on a course during the middle of the Open this year. So just even dragging myself back on a weekend to try and even do the workouts was a struggle for me. Um, so it is what it is. Uh, I'm thankful that I am in a place now with my fitness where I don't care that much about it. Like I care about how fit I am, but not about my score. I don't care about the outcome. Just if I am able to do as well as possible for me in a given week, I'm happy with that now instead of like leaderboarding and like chasing a number that doesn't matter and trying to beat my friends. Um, like if Ollie was still in the room right now, it, he'll be back in a minute. He'd know that him and I go toe to toe and like beating each other can be one of those things that pushes us to a silly place where we start redoing workouts and uh, getting crazy with it. So I'm glad that I'm at peace with my fitness where it is right now, but it doesn't mean I don't want to get better for next time. So... This is a really interesting, I was just telling Steph while you stepped out that, you know, a lot like you, I don't feel like I'm at the peak of my fitness. Yeah. That said, I do feel like um, this open really allowed me to really see where my fitness is with a few different things and what my weaknesses were. Yeah. Maybe more so than in previous years because of the way the program is, was written and I think we'll get into that in a yeah. little bit. Um, so reflections on the programming. What do you both think of the programming this year? I mean, I'm obviously new to the gym um, relative to most people. Um, what was really... Oh, you're talking... Okay. Oh, yeah. just kidding. Not just the, the actual open programming. So, um, I thought it was long. And for somebody who loves long chipper workouts, long workouts like that, it, it still felt, you know, so many 20-minute workouts. You're looking at the board. Three 20 minutes, a 15-minute, and then kind of that quick nine minutes. So, that felt different, for sure. Um have to say I loved a lot of the programming um, it was a lot of grunt work lots of like just burn those legs hold on to the barbell um, you know we had some dumbbell thrusters in there some pose to bar the, these little things that you see but it felt a bit more like grip it and rip it for me at least this year um, kind of hold on get into those dark places I personally was really happy. Uh, I'm, I'm not a great snatch. Uh, I'm not a great overhead person. Um, so to not have those movements forced upon us this year was a bit of a highlight. Um, now, that being said, of course, we need to prepare for those in the coming up years. Um, but definitely the lots of squatting movements, lots of you know um, box jumps, clean jerks, um, rowing, wall balls, things like that, I personally really enjoyed. Um, you know, they're a strength, but also they're just kind of those fun things you can get into a really dark place. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you think of the programming? Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Steph's, Steph said. Um, I think it was interesting from a couple of points of view. One is that there was lots of little strategy things in this Open that 
as we were talking a little bit about this before we start recording, but kind of as it, it made me still believe that Dave Castro's programming this open, at least with the regular community people in mind, because he put in little sort of tests, little kind of traps to fall into that I think the elite athletes didn't even have to worry about. Like, for example, the first workout with the shoulder to overhead instead of specifying specifically a snatch or specifically a cleaner jerk. I kind of gave people that option to maybe go and try and snatch them and then realizing how metabolically challenging that was and then like getting kind of behind a little bit. So I think that was a super interesting part of the Open. Um, I thought it was really interesting that we had um, the box jumps, but you could do box step ups. So it kind of gave you that option of if you wanted to keep your heart rate down, you could step up instead of, but if you wanted to go quicker, you could jump. So it gave you lots of things to kind of, strategize around and then obviously the last workout was just a strategy fest entirely so i think that was one of the coolest parts of the open for me yeah. but i agree with a lot of the grunt work stuff that you're talking about from yeah the workouts there. and uh interestingly if you were to put that together i would say the theme of the open this year if i was to pick one is what i would call output management mm-hmm. so like every workout had a little a little bit of a tweak to it where going you know nuts out as hard as you can like tackling the workout as if it was you know short and intense not only was it a trap but you actually got punished for that in most of the workouts later on yeah. um, either in uh in cumulative fatigue in the last workout where if you just went crazy on wall balls and muscle ups you would just not be able to we saw many athletes not be able to even press out their dips anymore on the top of muscle yeah. ups um, in the first workout we saw people like myself who fell into the snatch trap where a 95 pound snatch for those reps is generally a very easy movement for me, but the cumulative fatigue of 10 rounds plus the burpees, plus the metabolic demand that comes along with that led me to really, really taper off in the last four rounds, which, you know, I didn't end up finishing that workout. I think it was a, it was like a paces paradise. There's someone who likes to be the person, like almost like the froning style, pacing perfectly, yeah, knowing exactly where you are, idea. like never really being out of control, just like chipping along and then it's like, the guy who takes over the people at the end because they've gone out too hard and he's just been pacing perfectly the whole time. But that yeah. was what this Open was about. And if I want to be a huge CrossFit dork about that, um, if we think back to like the original kind of like manifesto papers that formed CrossFit when Greg Glassman wrote them, um, they're very uh, quantitative. So like they define fitness as increased work capacity across broad uh, time modal domains. And that's objectively measured by your managed power output over a period of time. You know, doing more work in less time is basically that quantitative measure. And if you think about all these workouts, they really cater towards finding the fittest by their own definition, producing more work in less time, figuring out how to manage your power output so you were doing more work and resting less. Yeah. Um, and Ollie keeps smashing the pizza box the same way I smashed the clipboard out of his hand yeah. in the last workout <laughs> while I was doing wall balls. Um, so from a, like an authenticity perspective, I really think CrossFit has returned to its roots with this, with this Open in particular, both with the style of workouts they wrote and with meaning their own definition of what fitness looks like. There wasn't, um, doesn't seem to be, have been hung up too much on meeting a specific kind of category of workout that has to happen. It really did cater towards finding someone who can do more work for a, a duration of time. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting from a, if you're one of the people who likes to repeat workouts, this was a really interesting open as well. Like I, I don't really ever repeat across the open workouts, but if you did, it would be 
because a there was a lot of strategy involved maybe you could re-strategize and and get a better score but also there was three 20 minute workouts so like the fatigue of repeating those so it was that almost became an interesting strategy in itself like whether you were going to repeat the workouts do you agree that stuff i do Boys are crushing pizza. We're crushing pizza, so awkward dead pause. (laughs) I had a most mouthful of pepperoni, so that's how it goes. That's all right. Um, I do eat pizza, just to be clear. I have celiac though, so not not this pizza. Not Not this pizza. It looks good though. Tony's has gluten free pizza. Really? Yes. You were supposed to tell about that. Now we have to. Now the boys have to order it when they order it. Sorry, I've (laughs) I've let the cat out of the bag here. yeah, no, that's really interesting to me. And speaking of repeating workouts, I mean, we'll get to this later when we talk about the programming for the gym uh, towards the tail end of this podcast. But uh, my intent right now is that, well, I'll make one commitment. We will re- be repeating 20.4 on the 1st of May or a date very close to that um, following our full strength cycle. And we'll come to that later in the podcast. 20.4 was the clean and jerk workout. Objectively, the heaviest uh, workout, not because it actually is more total poundage, actually, 20.3 is more total poundage uh, when you, you actually calculate the number of reps. But because it's a fast movement and, and more kind of ballistic in nature that way, and because more people made it farther into the workout compared to 20.3, uh, I think we saw across the gym that everyone was far more beat up by that workout oh, yeah. and Absolutely. punished for their weaknesses more so than in, in 20.3. Um, just because, you know, that weight, not only do you have to clean it and get it to your shoulder, but then you actually have to get it overhead as well. Unlike a deadlift where you just have to get it to the hip, right? So Yeah, 20.4 for a, to me, was just most, it was almost a pure strength workout. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that if, like, if you were to be a specialist in one thing and you were very, very good at clean jerking, like, that's your workout. Like, because you could box step up so you didn't have to get that metabolically taxed from that. You're like, a little bit mobile. You can do pistols. Pistols. Uh, yeah. There was only there wasn't that many of them. By the time you got deep into the workout, you were doing pistols versus doing pistols all the way through. That workout with pistols all the way through would have been devastating. Like if we'd gone pistols right off the bat, I thought that. Would, I was yeah. kind of hoping for that because I like pistols, but yeah. that would have been awful. Yeah, you but say it's awful. Super interesting but... doing this after a strength cycle and seeing yeah. how, if anyone gets better at their scores. Yeah, and and that's interesting because if you saw Dave Castro's Instagram, he said that the original version of this workout was all pistols. Yeah. It had no box jumps in it, um, and I would have preferred that as well. Uh, for me, my my fit, fitness gap more than anything else right now is in managing power output, like you know metabolic load kind of stuff, um, and pistols for me are way less metabolic load than box jumps based on my ability level and my body weight. <laughs> and speed, too. Yeah. I mean, doing 30 box jumps or 30 box step-ups is, you know, if you can get those pistols done efficiently, especially in the 20-minute workouts. Yeah, for sure. Whereas other people wouldn't, wouldn't have got out of the first round, right? Just yeah. because that's kind of pistol ability. Yeah, so it's like... Yeah, you can see why, why it would have been programmed that way. Yeah. I, I think it matches with what you said, that, that Castro is really programming to find the fittest person while still allowing... Um, everyone to be a challenged at their meet at their level, right? There's a scaled level, and then there's the RX level, so that helps a lot. But also within the RX workouts in particular, there's a huge variance in how much work you could do based on your different abilities and fitness level and where things popped up in the workouts. Um, you know, they can't do that all the time, obviously, because you have to test some stuff like this handstand push-ups. If you couldn't do a handstand push-up, you got to do 21 deadlifts, and then, you know. 
eight minutes of handstand push-up attempts or whatever you you'd ever you did, but yeah. you know. And obviously, I mean, this was the repeat, like that handstand push-up work was the repeat workout, but mm -hmm. I, it was interesting that we went back to allowing kipping handstand push-ups from being strict last yeah. year. Like imagine that workout with strict handstand push-ups, that would have been. That was a bit of a surprise. I was surprised different. not to see strict handstand push-ups, to be honest. And I'm wondering if they'll stick with that theme throughout the Opens or if he'll start being like, repeats with a twist kind of thing like started being like oh it's a repeat but now it's strict tempo push-ups not regular yeah but i wonder if that will start to come in or if he'll just keep them pure repeats i i think they'll be pure and the only reason i do that say that is because i think the real the main point for most people is to prove that it's like a self-licking ice cream cone it's you keep being in love with crossfit because you see your improvement like across various mm -hmm. spaces so by by putting these repeat workouts in, we always, you know, if you've been around long enough, you get to see where you've improved. And for most people, most of the time, if you've been consistent, yeah. it's going to be an improvement no matter what, unless you're me, and then you did worse in the workout. Okay. But, <laughs> yeah. but interestingly, I, I did worse in that workout. But I think if you looked at, like, my percentile score across any district, like Nova Scotia or Canada or if you want by, like, my percentile score was higher. Than last year that I did worse on the workout. So I think just like in general, I think maybe my, I just have less weaknesses. So that and for yeah. me, that's always been one of the opens about. Like I have some workouts that I do really well on. I always seem to do well on point one every year. It's just, <laughs> there's nothing Cardio. To it. It's just suffer and it's gonna suck. But there's not a lot of like you don't need to have a heavy clean. You don't need to have like a bunch of double unders. It's usually just grunt work. Um, what was the dumbbell snatch workout? Was that? That was, was seventeen point one. That was the dumbbell snatch burpee over the box. Fifteen thirty twenty ten. Yeah. Other snatches. way around. It was ten twenty thirty forty was. fifty. Oh, yeah, yeah. Climbed. That was my very was, first open workout ever. That yeah. was absolutely devastating. Yeah. Um, I remember you coming into that like because you were still fairly new as a member. You weren't brand new no. at Bindy Stretch. Oh, it was It was your second open. But I remember you coming into that workout and absolutely like crushing it compared to most people. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, like, yeah. you know. It's this is not a skill based workout. This no. is uh, purely uh, suffer. Suffer. Can yeah, you? That was my jam. Just yeah. get over that box. Even though I'd hate to do, if you program that during the week, I just probably wouldn't come. <laughs> like, but, but like when I'm forced to do it, yeah. that is actually my kind of workout. Because yeah. it's like there isn't really any. There's not any place where you have like set rest. There's no because there's really no reason to rest, right? Like yeah. if you're on a clean and jerk workout, I find I spend tend to spend a lot of time like between reps of a heavy clean and jerk, probably more time than I actually need. But on a workout like that, it's like when you, there's yeah, no you're rest. Gonna you just, yeah. You're it's never going to fail a 50-pound dumbbell snatch, and you're never going to fail a burpee box jump over. So yeah. just go. Like, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting like to see people's strengths and weaknesses. I think the other great thing about this Open is I think we saw more variety in insider membership with where people finished in specific workouts. So if I, like, you know... Sorry, Matt Wadden, if you're listening, you, you aside, because, you know, you train hard, you're uh, like a 12-year veteran at this point, you know how to attack open workouts, but inside kind of the general membership, the people that do class programming and only train, you know, an hour a day, kind of maybe an extra piece here and there, um, we saw a lot more variety. So we had some people that would finish like uh, maybe surprisingly in the top of one workout and then just get completely punished by another one. Yeah. And you see that big kind of skill weakness gap which we haven't seen in a couple of years i found uh the one in the spring the 19 oh yeah well i mean i can i can speak to that personally like 
I got absolutely crushed by the third workout. I am not a great handstand push-up person. I spent eight minutes doing 15 handstand push-ups. And so, yeah, that absolutely ruined the score versus last year where it was a lot more consistent. Yeah. It's just the reality of having that more complex. And I think especially for women, sometimes that's a bit more of a more challenging, you know, workout as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. The impact of having two opens in one year, what do you, what do you, what do you, you know, how did that change things for you? Um, let's, obvious question, I, again, maybe a bit leading. Were you as eager to get into this Open, like into week one, as you were in previous years? <laughs> I almost didn't do this Open. <laughs> I think that's the, I, yeah. honestly, I think, I think that's consistent. Exactly. I was just exactly like, oh, whatever, I'm here, I'll just do it. But like, normally when the Opens comes around, I've like signed up on the games website like a week before. Like this, I think I signed up, yeah. <laughs> And that might be largely the reason I didn't do as well. Um, but I, I like this week, this time I think I signed up like the the day of the open, like the day yeah. of the first workout, or at least when it was released. Because um, I remember thinking like, oh, do I have to sign up before 9 p.m. when they release the workout? Whereas before that would never have been a problem because I'd have been like looking forward to the open coming up and having that opportunity. So I think my just motivation level was pretty low. Yeah. But it's probably theme for a lot of people that having a two in one year was tough was tough we, we don't have the data yet to say if it's an a post-summer effect like mm-hmm. there could be a post like people just aren't as keen on it right. in the fall that could be it or it could be like the hangover because like hey we just finished an open i haven't even really like mentally recovered from the thrashing i took in the spring um you know i didn't address any of my weaknesses because there just wasn't enough time and now we're doing this all again like do i even want to do this and honestly i'm, I'm not sure <laughs> if i'm in love with the date of the open I'm like, because usually, I don't know, I, I find, especially if you live in Halifax, where it's it's kind of miserable all winter, getting, get to the the, getting to the gym <laughs> regularly easy. over the winter is quite easy, yeah. right? Because it's not like, if it's a Saturday, it's not like, oh, I'm going to go out and play golf, or I'm going to go hiking, like, like you just like, or go well, to the patio, or go to a patio, or whatever, <laughs> it's it's gross out, so you go to the gym, yeah. so the, and that becomes kind of your hobby for the winter, so then when the spring comes around, I find I'm in much better shape, and then I get to like, the start of the summer and things really start to tail off because you want to enjoy the summer and you want to go out and do stuff. So I yeah. find it coming in the fall is, is going to be tough. Yeah. yeah. I, the flip side of that though is like if I look at my kind of data, the good thing about using uh, app to kind of track performance over years and I've been at this a couple of years now, like it's been a while. Objectively in the past, I had always been my fittest in September, October. Like I look at the numbers, my lift numbers, my workout performances, my percentiles. I, before we came in, I brushed up on some of that in previous years i had always been my fittest in september october and then by the time kind of christmas holidays um all that stuff came and went and then organizing the open and trying to run it i would actually find that i felt like my least fit the the month immediately after the open was done every year this time around complete opposite and then and i have to wonder if there's an effect there from having two opens in one year that just like you know, haven't really had time to adjust. And, you know, from a gym programming perspective, we did not have time to do the things we would normally do, like a true off season and then like a taper and then a true off season and then kind of like a preseason. There wasn't time for that this time around. We basically had 16 weeks to turn around and do this again, right? Like it's... (laughs) It definitely came around quick. Um, Not a great gift for Canadians. Uh, the open as a, from a gym perspective kind of 
miserably fell on two long weekends on the first and last weekend of the Open, which also doesn't help with participation. So you got people away on the first weekend and away on the last weekend. Well, if they're going to miss two of five, yeah. you got to wonder, like, is it really even worth doing? Yeah, people, I'm sure, had that cross their mind. Having just done one, um, but the flip side of that is now if we settle back into a rhythm, um, it looks pretty awesome to suddenly line up our off-season and strength cycle with like the excessive calories of the winter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? So, Absolutely. you know, not as, an ex- yeah. not as an excuse to eat, but like if I think about all the things I'm going to eat over Christmas anyways, and just like squatting and clean and jerking that away until... You know, gaining muscle mass. I'm pretty okay with that, right? Like, you know, I don't have to cut weight anytime soon. I don't have to feel like I have to get lighter or like faster. I over the winter when I just want to put on thick sweaters and you know grow a beard and hunker down. It's time to get strong. It actually might work out for the best. I think it's just going to take some adjustment for people that have been doing it for so many years that the spring was the thing. Yeah, you just got into that cycle that kind of as you said you know yeah it's okay to go out and have a few drinks in the summer or maybe take a little bit light if you're doing some traveling but i i tend to agree that the getting back to the strength bit is is definitely what i'm looking forward to and if that coincides with some christmas dinner that'll be all right <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think that i think that the open in general favors strong people but it favors like strong fit people, which which is obvious. Like mm-hmm. you have to be really fit and really strong. But like if you assume that you have an attainable, decent level of cardiovascular fitness because you've been doing CrossFit for a few years, and you know that if you put a few weeks into it, you can get your you can get your endurance up, you can get your like your engine going. I think that if you look at how all the open workouts are spread, like people who can lift heavy tend to do well because it's just that allows you to get further into these workouts that otherwise you wouldn't. Yeah, you're, you're not going to have a roadblock. Right, like you, the workout. there's so many you can think back on where it's like escalating weights of barbells and there's just a barbell that seems to be right at the perfect spot that just separates people. It usually just be like a 225 clean and jerk. It's always the weight that just seems to just divide people into two groups. Yep. And either you're comfortable with that weight or you're not. And if you are, you get like disproportionately better scores than the people who are just not quite as comfortable and despite probably having equal levels of cardiovascular fitness so i think i'm excited to like get strong again and do some strength stuff yeah Um, i think it's interesting when you put it that way strength is like probably you know if i was to draw a triangle and that'd be like the the point at the top would be strength but the two supporting points that i think you can't neglect that often kind of fall apart and i think when we were talking about those ebbs and flows of our fitness earlier these are the the two things that tend to fall off, the strength kind of stays. Like objectively, I'd say your squat might be 20 pounds lighter than it was, but it's probably not fallen off. Well, you might not count because you just haven't squatted. But, you know, Steph's actually stronger objectively than she has been in previous years. But I think the supporting points that hold up that strength are muscular endurance, not cardiovascular endurance, but muscular endurance, the perform like repeated repetitions of the same movement, you know, 30 pistols in a row, 30 box jumps in a row, 45 handstand push-ups inside a six-minute window, like that muscular endurance of the same movement over and over again uh, is one big piece of that puzzle. And kind of the the durability of being able to take like a hard go on a, on a Saturday in an open workout and just be like ready to go again the next week. For me, that was one of the most challenging things this year with my personal fitness. 
is that even the weeks where I really felt like I attacked and crushed a workout really hard, um, like last week, I was pretty happy with my performance. I didn't, I wanted to get a chance to take a shot at 275. I didn't, but I was pretty happy with it. But I was so wrecked by that workout that I was questioning whether I was even going to be able to do 20.5 yesterday because my I still had quad pain on one side that I could not shake no matter what. Um, and I think when your fitness starts to fall off and you don't have as many days and you're not training the volume that you have been, that you lose the durability to like the high repetition workouts and the kind of the muscular endurance of doing the same movement over and over and again in a short window. To, as, as it sounds like it happens to you, like it's, it's not that you can't do that if you were forced to. It's yep. just that the toll that's going to take on your body is much greater than it was a few months ago or a year ago when you had better muscular endurance. Like the toll of, like if someone told me that I was going to do 33 muscle-ups yesterday in a workout that was 20 minutes, like I'd be like, no, no way. There's no way that my muscular endurance of that movement is up to snap to do that mm-hmm. and not suffer a lot from it. But like if it was just one day and you just have to get it out once, then suffer the day after, you can yeah. do it. But like your ability to recover from that and then keep training is just nowhere near as high. And I think yeah. that's kind of what at least I found. Like I'm wrecked today from, from that. Yeah. Like, I had no business doing a huge load of muscle-ups yesterday. Like, I was, haven't done one in, like, five months. Like, yep. <laughs> just no business doing that. But <clears throat> it seems to be that's how it goes. Yeah. It's, so, like, if you, were to, if you were to plan a program that allowed you to work out less and, like, do less CrossFit, but you still had to maintain your fitness as much as possible to be ready to go again with kind of like a two-month ramp-up, I'd say the three things you would have to focus on would be raw strength, muscular endurance, and just your overall kind of durability, like having training volume enough in a week of something that that you're used to that. So what you can't do is cut out a bunch of of days and replace them with golf and drinking beers on a patio. What you could probably do is switch some of those CrossFit workouts for five or 10K runs, you know, that like lighter, but still longer pieces that force you to have some kind of like imposed physical demand um, that allow you to like maintain that rate of recovery and that kind of thing if you just stop working out and you're only working out two or three days a week for a long stretch i think that's where you start to see the the impact is your body just can't adapt yeah i think part of that is also recognizing that like whilst they're not like quote unquote crossfit like crossfit didn't invent running but like that would still fall under the umbrella of what they define as your fitness right like going out and doing a 5k run there's no reason why that wouldn't be a CrossFit class. Like we just we just associate CrossFit classes with like little like like duplets and triplets and little <laughs> kind of chippers and that kind of stuff. But actually, like going out and being like, hey, everyone's going to run 10k today, and that's class programming yeah. would be perfectly reasonable in, under what you signed up for. Yeah, it's hard, right? Like that's the problem with CrossFit as a business model. Not to take too much of an aside, right? But if I was to sit and program like once a week and say, okay, like. 5k run, 10k row, like 3k swim. If I was to just start throwing that kind of programming into a, the CrossFit program for the gym, what you'd end up seeing is like people would be like, well, what am I paying for a membership for, right? Because like right. none of that stuff is stuff I have to go right. to a gym for. Yeah. So I think there's always a fine line. Yeah. And I think we walk it about as close as you can walk with the engine work that I've been programming yeah. in the last little while and that kind of thing where like people are, you know, intrigued enough to go do it in a class setting with a group. Um, but it still tackles these kind of obscure parts of fitness. And I am personally shocked, Dave Castro, if you ever listen to this, that we did not see a 10K row this year because I was entirely expecting one. 
um, based on kind of previous year's games programming, having seen the marathon row, um, the half marathon row previously, like crazy yeah. runs, I was fully expecting a single piece monostructural workout for in the open, in the open oh, for man. a change. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like he, because it's such a qualifying thing, I don't know if, if that would ever happen because like, I don't know, you could be somebody who's just like, like a, almost a specialist within the CrossFit community who could just go and absolutely obliterate that and then be disproportionately high on the overall leaderboard and therefore qualification versus someone who's just more well-rounded. So I feel like there'd always have to be some sort of twist. There'd be like in a, I don't know, it'd be like in a 22-minute window row 10k and then one rep max snatch or something like that so no one's that yeah <laughs> <laughs> there'll be some like there had to be some like weird twist to it because like, yeah. otherwise you'd just get people who are amazing at rowing just obliterate that if you, if you think of it in workout probably i think five weeks is actually enough that yeah. you can throw something like a, a hail mary in there because the four other weeks Maybe. like would punish a true specialist yeah. that would just like sneak in for that workout mm-hmm. like Which you know done, i mean what was it 18.2a or you know when they throw a max clean and jerk in there something like that now mm. that is with something else but yeah you're gonna yeah. be disproportionately benefited but they could do it like that strong. like that to like that point, point a, a and or, b yeah because yeah. yeah. we've seen that before and then arguably the weightlifters would have a huge advantage if you were just a ridiculously strong freak that you could yeah do the point b part and win that part of the workout but yeah and they always make a rule you have to do part A in order to be allowed to do part B. Right. So like maybe what we'll see is next year well, there'll be a workout and then rest two minutes and then 2K row for time. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I would love to see this. I would love Boys to see this. Boys both have big smiles. Yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed. We've done rowing and wall balls a couple times now. Um, so I, I just feel like we won't see – my personal feeling is we won't see rowing and wall balls again next year. Because like – if anything, Dave Castro hates to be predictable. Yeah. So now that we've seen it a couple times, I'm I can I would almost bet, you know, something significant on not seeing rowing and wall balls together. Perfect. Yeah, which is too bad. Means my favorite workouts never gonna get harder. <laughs> Twenty-seven, twenty or fifty-nine wall balls, row calories. I think it'd be too short for most people. But we did it with thrusters and row calories. Yeah. And arguably, it should take the same amount of time for a thruster as to a wall ball. And yeah, but like, way less rest. I think for the for the average person, yeah. uh, for the fastest people in the world, yeah. the time would be almost be the same. Convinced. Everyone would be too close together. Yeah, there's so many people that can just do that <laughs> unbroken. Like yeah. we actually basically did that workout. <laughs> we did the AMRAP of rowing and wall balls last year, yeah. which is basically that workout. Yeah. yeah, it's just like crippling. How long can you hold on to that pace for? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I think the open, you know, was quite different. I think we know that it was heavier than previous years oh, on the whole. It was longer than previous years on the whole. It was less less, uh, or more accessible, but equally as technical. So, like, if you didn't have skills, you still got punished for not having those skills. But it was more accessible from the, like, the front end for most people. Uh, a lot more people RX'd more workouts, I would say, than in previous years. And then we had two three have we had shoulders or overhead before or has it always been like ground overhead we've had ground overhead before yeah so then we had pistols and dumbbell thrusters right we've never had dumbbell thrusters before no we never had dumbbell thrusters no we had dumbbell yeah we've had cleans we've had dumbbell cleans and we've had snatch and i was really hoping for 
And we had those weird lunges, the double front rack lunges yeah. that year. Yeah. I was this really is hoping. The first year we haven't had thrusters. And just proper, a bar. Like proper like <laughs> yeah. barbell thrusters. Yeah. Um, in a long time. Yeah. So, I don't know, a couple of interesting new movements. Yeah. Um, before we move on to kind of the reflections on the gym, I'm going to ask you one more movement. What movement did you really want to see this year, but you didn't see? I got the movement I wanted. I wanted pistols, and then we got them. Um, which doesn't answer your question at all. But you go first. What did, you, what did you want and you didn't see? Oh, man. Um, honestly, actually, I I have to say I love a run. And I know there's yeah. a whole bunch of, you know, logistics challenges. Um, but especially seeing all the running that's been happening at the games and the weighted running and all those kind of different variations. I would have loved to see that. I mean, everybody yeah. who's listening, you know, I am a runner. <laughs> that was my history before, but it's an accessible movement. It's, you know, something yeah. that's not rowing. Still get that cardio up there. It's going to be one that I, I'll be surprised if we see it in the open, just because of like the geographic spread of how everyone does the open at the same time and which places are in winter. Snow, ice. Snow, like, do we all need a right. treadmill? You're like, right. And it's the same, but for the, for the same reason, what the, my thing, if I had to pick one, would be rope climbs. Like, I'd love to have rope climbs in the open, but and I don't think it'll ever happen. Because yeah. I don't think they'll ever be able to guarantee that, like, these little gyms somewhere Same are going to be able to, like, yeah, yeah. have ropes yeah, in so, their gym. Ooh. I'd love to see rope climbs, but I don't think it'll A proper, happen. I mean, dumbbell snatch? We've had that. Not this year. Oh, it's Yeah, I see what you mean. Like, yeah, like, I, I, of the things that are relatively and feasible. Barbell stops. <laughs> yeah. I would have preferred barbell stops in that last workout. Stops. See, I'd have finished stops. Yeah, I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people agree. Very different. Yeah. I think because uh, part of the reason is because the the press out at the top of a bar muscle up is much much easier than the dip at the top we of a ring muscle up. Haven't had ring muscle ups for like three years now. Like it's been yeah. So it was good it was to good. see them back. But yeah. And in volume, like in a large set, instead of just like five at a time or like mm -hmm. you know something like that. For me, uh, two movements I would have loved to have seen. It's, again, entirely selfish when you pick these things because usually you pick things you're good at. Yeah. But like heavy devil's press, which is the oh, double dumbbell yeah. snatch with the burpee in the bottom. Yeah, that would actually be um, yeah. Or I guess you can clean and jerk them. It's just so much slower that you don't want to have to do that. Mm -hmm. Or um, a single dumbbell like hang squat snatch for reps. Oh, yeah. Because oh it's like goodness. very mobility, <laughs> very mobility challenging. Yeah, because yeah, if you have good mobility and yeah. like overhead strength, it it's metabolic. But if you don't, then it's purely a skill thing. Yeah. So it's a it would have been a really interesting kind of thing to throw in the mix. I guess I could throw in squat jerks. Power clean squat jerk. One arm. <laughs> really, I mean, there were no squat snatches. There was no overhead squatting. It was not. Uh, super overhead mobile heavy yeah this it was all shouldered like, overhead yeah. like yeah. pressing volume yeah if we look at the workouts we had ground overhead which could for a lot of people was clean and jerk so there's pressing there the burpees there's pressing in the burpee arguably dumbbell thruster there's pressing um handstand push-ups <laughs> clean and jerks and then you finish off with muscle-ups and wall balls so just like if you got to take, you have a takeaway from this. As always, this has never shocked anyone. But like, squatting volume and pressing volume have to be priorities in your training. Yeah. If you're gonna 
put up big numbers. If we think back to the little triangle I described, like from a muscular endurance perspective, you need exceptional pressing endurance, both with the arms and legs. Uh, always. And I think, I mean, maybe this is the first open that I've really truly realized that. Like, I always knew the squatting volume, squatting strength, squatting muscular endurance was always going to be beneficial. But this was the first one where you really start to see that actually your pressing strength, your overhead pressing strength is, and, and more importantly, like endurance is to be there. Because it's every workout I've done. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right. So, next so phase, next? next topic is. Uh, probably a couple minutes on what we think the gym as a whole was best at and worst at in the open. Um, I have some, when, after you give kind of your anecdotal thoughts, I've done a little bit of research. I, I think I have a pretty good idea where we sit. So basically we're going to answer and then you're going to tell us yeah, what we're, we're going right to tell. Mm. Oh, you go now, this is, I know this is challenging. <laughs> so I mean, I was away for a couple weeks of the open traveling this, this year, um, but... I think we were pretty good at the barbell. Um, Shocking, Ironstone's good at the barbell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of on our logo. I mean, yeah, but like when you look at particularly the you know shoulder to overhead, some clean and jerks. Um, you know, people were people were getting to those heavy barbells um, and getting those those jerks up. I mean, I was quite impressed. Do you have data on like which workout as a gym we did best at overall? These yeah, you yeah. can get it from the leaderboard. So we've oh, yeah. only four have technically been Finished. entered right. so far. Um, what do you think we did best at? What do you think we did worst at? Of all the workouts, which do you think that the gym is all the best at? Yeah. Um, Number two. So mm. dumbbell thrusters, toast bar, dumbbells. I'd go one or four. Oh. Interesting. So the actual answer is technically speaking, we were best at one. Yeah. We have more people with a more well-rounded ability to cycle the barbell and maintain a, some kind of metabolic pace yeah. based on the pro programming we've done, yeah. um, which isn't shocking because of the way I programmed the off-season this year in particular. But, uh, well, all the engine work, a lot of kind of like rounds for time of, yeah. of movements, cycling, you know, barbells and that kind of thing, a lot of burpees, a lot of burpees. Um, I'm not shocked that that was our objectively best workout. Our second best workout was was the heavy barbell in point four. Mm -hmm. I think the only thing there that maybe caught people by surprise and the reason why we might say it wasn't as good for the everybody was the pistols, yeah. right? We don't typically have not done a lot of pistols in class programming, although the competitors see it a little bit more often. Yeah. Um, but you know that's the problem with gaming your programming for what you think the open is going to be because you you make choices as a person who's writing the programming i have to make choices about what to prioritize and what not to prioritize based on what i expect to see and i truth be told never thought we would see pistols in yeah. the open because i thought they were too hard to judge, judge yeah. um how did you think they were to judge honestly sure. having seen it unfold i actually found them very easy to judge yeah. live but i always worried that the having to be fully standing touching the, the opposite yeah. foot to the ground and um, like having your balance at the top of the rep right. and the alternating thing was going to be too much. But uh, yeah. I actually found seeing it unfold live that even our very, you know, volunteer-based amateur judges in the gym actually had very, almost no difficulty yeah. judging them. I will say that, you know, it depends on honesty, right? So yeah. like when we did that workout, I actually no rep myself a couple times mm -hmm. because I... Yeah, 
for hitting my trailing foot on the ground. So I would just stand up and I would look at my judge and say, he would give me the rep and I would say, actually, I got to do that leg again. I'm sorry. Like kind of thing. And that's just a honesty thing. But it's, it's, uh, it's one of those movements where there's so many moving parts. I thought we would never see it, but we did. Mm. Um, The flip side is like we talked about earlier. I never thought we would see kipping handstand push-ups again, especially mm. not with that standard because that standard was so controversial the year it came out. And I thought it was almost... But did it change? I thought it was worse this year. No, it was the exact same standard, but we but, d- we as a gym did way less kipping push-ups, or handstand push-ups between the last I open and now. the measuring of the arm thing. That was the same as the last time we did it. It's like you had to bring your arms down and then they measured from behind. That was like three opens ago. Oh, okay. So they did one year previously with this standard. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of games athletes didn't end up qualifying for the games... But like they didn't qualify for regionals because there were still regionals at the time because the the standard, uh, they were on their fingertips still not getting handstand push-ups. I honestly thought we we would never see handstand push-ups with kipping again. And I programmed accordingly with a lot more strict work and Dave reached out and slapped me around and said, sorry, (laughs) you you don't know what you're talking about. So And then dumbbell thrusters. They're obviously not that difficult to judge, but I was glad they came in. Yeah. It, was, it was an obvious next sort of transition from all the dumbbells yeah, we've been seeing the in the last few years. Yeah. And yeah. adding, they're fairly devastating, especially yeah. a decent weight. So looping back to that, like, what we do best at and worst yeah. at as a gym, we did best at the things we tend to train the most. We did best at the first workout based on the programming we've done. Um, we did quite well at the barbell cycling because we are a, kind of a strength bias, strength-based yeah. gym. We still do... A, a fairly routine amount of strength training, even when we've been doing more conditioning work, like in the last few months. Um, we did worst at the handstand push-up yep, and five. Uh, workout. When it comes out, I think we'll be, we'll have done worse as a group. At five? five. Do you think because of the, the volume of muscle-ups? Volume of muscle-ups, for sure. Like, and I, again, it was interesting with the way that you could split it up and that you didn't have to do, and I mean like large cumulative volume of yep. muscle-ups. Like, at first, I thought they were going to, when they, when I saw the reps, I thought they were gonna make it the other way around. I thought it was gonna be like uh, 120 wall balls, 80 calorie row, 40 muscle ups, 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, I thought it was you were gonna have to oh, complete each segment. Yeah. Um, but the just that that volume of muscle ups, we we don't really do a lot of. Or, I, I don't think for class like we don't have like yeah. classes where it's like 30 muscle ups in a workout like. Yep. Um, which is obviously like part of that's logistics like you can't have a class of 20 people doing 30 muscle-ups in a workout it just doesn't work yeah and we've also seen the bar a lot i mean in the last few years there's been bar and ring but you've kind of always had an option or there's been something you could get a bar muscle-up there hasn't Mm -hmm. been that kind of pure ring focus at least yeah um, you know for somebody who didn't have them in a previous open you you had the ability to still do something um, and yeah, you can work on your bar muscle ups, you can work on a ton of, you know, fun gymnastics movements, but then to kind of be just shown, wow, like this top, yeah. this is your option. Like relating that back to the programming, it, it's an interesting choice. Definitely one I consciously made, but unfortunately is like one of those re- reflecting on the open this year, something I will have to kind of correct moving forward. We kind of moved away from doing as much ring work in ring muscle ups in particular in, in a class setting. For two reasons, I would say. One, that if we think about class, like I, I talked about this when we had that little um, kind of like meet in the spring. Were you here for that? Yeah, you listened to it. I've recorded it and put it up. So I mentioned this before, but 
like the layer of class programming is meant to be general fitness. Uh, and then competitors programming is supposed to add the extra, more of the extra stuff that you need. <laughs> if you really want to be, if you really want to be competitive in the open, right. then you have to do that extra stuff, right? So that's kind of the layers they work. So I kind of moved the ring muscle up stuff away from the class setting right. into more of the competitors piece. Mm -hmm. the, the problem with that is kind of twofold. Logistically, um, logistically, what you end up seeing is that it's very difficult for groups of people to stay and do the competitors programming because class is going on and the right. rings aren't accessible. Yeah. So you see people not get the ring work in, um, which is in reflection a problem that I think I have to address by introducing more of it back into the class setting. Yeah. The second thing is you don't get the coaching in probably the area where most people need the most work. Mm -hmm. So you rely on the competitors to coach themselves mm -hmm. to a certain extent and each other. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that for those cusp or like fringe athletes that are trying to get better, they're probably not getting the opportunity to, to get better right. consistently at something they're probably not very good at. Yeah. So that's kind of my reflections on why I think I need to put more of it back in. Yeah. The, the taking it out part has more to do with A, like what, if, for pure, if, we, we're, if we forget about the open and just say like if we're training for fitness, who needs a ring muscle up? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> really, right? And B, from a risk injury perspective, mm -hmm. like when I think of like the things that make me cringe and my eyeballs roll back in my head the most, people like dislocating a shoulder, mm -hmm. coming out of a ring muscle up, or like, you know, those near misses that you see a lot of times when people throw themselves through the rings, or even worse, like, um, like when people's arms slip through the rings, or like they lose their grip and they fall flat on their back. Like when I think of risk in a class setting, I again I think of that ring muscle up as yeah, very high up on that list. So it's always a bit of a balancing act with trying to make sure that you are doing the things that people want to see and want to get better at, and giving people the opportunity to be coached in the things they're not good at. But also like managing group risk when you have eighteen people, people are swinging around. I think as as the, as the gym grows in general, your the demographic of your CrossFit classes is going to become much more different to what it was five years ago. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you took like a percentage of the average CrossFit class here three or four years ago, and then looked at how many of them did the open, it would be a pretty high percentage, or yep. at least higher than it is now. Much higher. Whereas now, like there's much more just like people utilizing. CrossFit is just a general fitness measure. Like they go to the gym in general, right? They they don't really have much interest in competing in some five week open like a crazy person, right? Like yeah. they just want to go yeah, and get it's fantastic, go to the gym and have fun and right. So it's, it, and that's a great thing, but it, it almost means the way that you tailor your class programming has to almost reflect the demographic of what your class yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so trying to figure out how to manage that is an interesting challenging. I think for me to walk away from this and put kind of the thinking cap yeah. on and address that. Yeah. Um, I think as a gym, we need to work on our gymnastics, yeah. not technique. I think our technique is impeccable compared to most athletes. Yeah. Uh, it's the volume. The volume, uh, the volume, and especially the volume when paired with other things. Other things under, yeah, under tension. Um, it's really interesting to see. I, you know, I've got my fair share of watching open videos in. Um, I still judge some of them on the the CrossFit.com, like for people that submit their own videos to be judged rather than oh, okay. being judged in person, you know, chip away at that kind of stuff when I can. And I see a lot of people that move, they accomplish the movement standards of some of the movements, but they move very, very poorly. Mm -hmm. So like our strength is we generally move well. Our weakness is that I probably haven't got people prepared for the volume load that came this open in particular, like with 40 muscle ups in a workout or, you know, because if that was a 30 muscle-ups workout, 
to me, that's a completely different workout, and I think we would have all attacked it quite differently. Yeah, you attacked it very differently. Yep. Um, But it's interesting when you talk about the volume, like volume of everything seems to seems to adjust. Like I think if you looked at if we got everybody in the gym to do thirty handstand push-ups and thirty like clean and jerks or like 30 squat cleans uh, with a reasonable weight that was attainable for them doesn't have to be standardized i think you'd see people's form like deteriorate in the handstand push-ups much faster there and and maybe obviously a range of different persons but let's say it was around five or ten reps their form starts to break Mm -hmm. down and they start like just getting reps as any way they can whereas if you looked at them doing like squat cleans i think our form as a gym would probably hold longer into that 30 reps maybe it's like 15 or 20 reps and then it's the last 10 that look gross but yep. i think in general our barbell technique and form is really good yeah uh gymnastics in terms of under fatigue is probably not as good yeah so uh sean and cat if you're listening we're going to put those gymnastic certs to good use and you're going to be in high demand in the next off season uh we have a little uh, momentary special guest here, Lisa, jumping in to join us. Hi, pals. <laughs> What's going on? Not too much. Just no, I'm fitness. okay for pizza. Talking fitness. Well, I like fitting this in my mouth. <laughs> pizza. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got about another 20 minutes left so, to go. What time is it? 15 minutes left to go. Ten minutes left to go. Lisa's so giving Lisa's Whatever Lisa's giving Lisa me the look. Mom is giving Dad the face that it is time <laughs> to decorate for twenty point six pals. See you yeah. soon. Yeah. Great. The Christmas lights are in the cooler. Um yeah. Okay. So next. since Lisa's forced it, we'll move on to the next topic. Can I uh yeah. Which was Yeah, well what's the next cycle gonna look like? And I guess the part is now I just get to like tell you what it's going to look like and then we'll talk about it so we are as many people have asked um you know as many people have asked and i have a bunch of instagram comments uh that we collected from the week previously the number one question that came up and when people wrote in the little box on instagram was are we doing a strength cycle Uh, every (laughs) lots of people did are we doing a strength cycle what's it going to look like how are we getting stronger again like how are we going to address some of these weaknesses because i think a lot of people felt disheartened by some of the handstand push-ups, but felt defeated by the clean jerks, if that makes any sense. Um, so they have this kind of unconscious bias towards like, I'm not strong enough, because they relate the handstand push-up also with not being strong enough. And I think one of the things, in, and I, I found this, I'm sure other people who are, who are listening up into the gym have found the same thing, that I find that once, especially in CrossFit, we, we don't have a very good understanding of at least I don't, I'm not sure if everyone does, but of like real time, like today fitness or today strength versus, yeah, I've in the past back squatted 365. But if you maybe back squat today, I cannot back squat 365. And we then start to almost like define ourselves by what we did at the best at. And then when it's like, oh, I used to be able to clean jerk 225 pretty easily. And then it comes up in the open, you can't do it. You're like, well, I must be less fit because I used to be able to do this and now I can't. And I think that our like appreciation and insight into like fluctuating mm-hmm. strength and fluctuating everything is 
not as great as it could be. Like we, we define ourselves by what we our PRs versus our real time fitness. Yeah, um, it's easy to track, right? Yeah. Uh, like psychologically, people get to see progress. When we do a strength cycle, people love that because they get to see like I added three pounds, I added five pounds, yeah. I added seven pounds. You know, I'm, my squat is up 15 pounds, it's up 20. It's it's all those things. So I, I really think that I'll uh, take one of those as well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I, I really think it's like one of those things that it helps people get back into the groove because it's so rewarding so quickly compared to other fitness where like we never repeat the same Metcons. So you don't really have a metric for seeing how much you've improved. And like improving, like if we were to take 20.5 as an example, there would be no point in retesting that workout anytime soon because you, there's so many pieces that have to go into making your score in that particular workout better. But if you take the workout before with the clean and jerks better, if I improve your clean and jerk by 40 pounds, yeah. you're going to see the impact on that workout immediately, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a huge benefit and people yeah. look forward to the strength cycle and it's happening. So yeah. like we'll be doing a, a full off-season strength cycle. If you, think, if you think about that workout and maybe see if you agree to that, but like to me, 225 clean and jerk is like, that's kind of getting to the top. Like that's getting to the cost of what it can do at least for more than one rep. Like, and even like I've failed 240 clean and jerks recently. Like it's not, that's, so it's pretty high percentage of my load. Whereas the one eight. three or four? Round three or round four? That was the one, that was four. the fourth four. barbell. It was 130, 95, to 25, yeah. But if you compare that to the 185 pound bar, like for, at least for me, like that bar, it almost doesn't matter how tired I am, I'm gonna be able to clean during 185. So like that kind of shows the it's that in this workout, if you have the absolute strength, and you also do this stuff regularly enough that you're doing multiple rep movements, so clean jerks and things like, if my max clean jerk was 275. That two twenty five would not have been anywhere near as taxing. Right? Yeah. So it just shows how much the strength kind of plays into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, interesting. So we're gonna do more. We're gonna do a strength, strength cycle. So cycling. what will look like from here, and depending on when people are listening to this. So the open ends technically tomorrow. Tomorrow is Monday, the eleventh. The open will end. We will take a full two week kind of deload um, from an intensity perspective. So you won't see any percentages over seventy percent. And uh, any Metcons less than like seven minutes in length because we won't be doing like peak heart rate or, you know, max intensity strength work. We'll be take a full two-week deload and then we'll, we'll kick off a strength cycle. So we'll cycle through some very predictable movement patterns. You know, every, basically every two weeks we'll hit four things over and over and over again. And we will maintain that for three full six-week blocks as we go and that'll give us a nice little like run through christmas january february into this what are the four movements yeah. drum roll <laughs> so you, you know and even the next week two weeks there could be some fine tuning on this but like based on my immediate reactions right now the things i want to hit uh are clean and jerk mm -hmm. together um so in different variants not just that i actually want to hit clean and jerk together um which is something we haven't done a lot of as a gym. Um, so that'll be kind of a, a unique approach. Um, and the reason I pick clean and jerk and not snatch is I think the like law of diminishing returns applies to the Olympic lifts and like class programming in general. Like if we spent, we can spend a lot of time snatching, but so much of that is going to be technique based and not strength based. Um, whereas if we want to get strong in the off season, the 
you know, king of the lifts are probably deadlift, back squat, clean jerk, some other pressing it's, movement. It's not an accident. If you look at like NFL linebackers and then you watch them doing their training, none of them are snatching. Yeah, they're, they're all power they're all power cleaning. Right. They're yeah. like, they're, if you want to get strong, you do those movements. You don't like, yeah, you have to be very strong just to be a very good snatcher, but most of it's technique. So yeah. I think that, yeah, clean jerk is awesome. So we'll we'll probably hit those those four. We'll probably hit back squat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone likes to return to back squat. Yeah. We'll probably hit back squat. We'll hit uh, with the odd like the metcons. We'll focus more on the front squat, overhead squat kind of variants mm-hmm. for the volume. Um, we'll hit back squat for strength. We'll hit clean and jerk. Uh, we'll hit deadlift, and I think we'll hit deadlift again pretty hard. We actually did quite a bit over the summer, but I actually find this is a completely different topic, but. The nature of CrossFit is that, you know, it's frontal plane squatting variants. And I have this kind of hypothesis that a lot of the reason people have so much back, like persistent back ache, I won't call it back pain because people associate pain with like, I bulged a disc, right? But like that kind of like cranky back syndrome, for me, a lot of that is is based on uh, a lack of like core stability. And, and from a strength perspective, I think the easiest way to load core stability in a class setting is probably the deadlift. Um, and its variants. And this is just like anecdotal for me that I've found in the last year and a half, especially that when my back gets cranky, if I come in and like rock a couple heavy sets of deadlifts, like the next day or two, I feel great again. And I think it's like balancing. Counterintuitive, yeah. Right. right? And but people think that if they, their back was hurting, and obviously, like, lots of reasons to have back pain. So yeah. Yeah. This is not a doctor thing. Pain, but, but like, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about, right? Like the root causes of things and how yeah. to address those. Like, yeah. I think, and I've had it personally, and you and I have talked about this before, like like core stability for me has led me to have like, especially left-sided low back pain when yeah. I'm squatting, that kind of thing. And as soon as I start coming in and doing like, like side planks and all those like yeah. McGill big three kind of thing, those yeah. things have just made a huge, yeah. a huge difference <laughs> in, yeah. in my like, like comfort and feeling of being under tension and other weight. Yeah. And I think it's a good balance to the amount of squatting volume we do in everything else. Like just p- making some of the li- that big lifts that we tackle being pulling from the floor rather than rather than squatting variants, more squatting variants. I think we see kind of like big benefits from that uh, in just like total strength, grip strength, you know, mm-hmm. core strength, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You'll what you'll see though is that the deadlifts will be kind of biased towards uh, bigger rep schemes, like in the fours and fives. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the squats will be more biased towards like the ones, twos, and threes, uh, and those okay. kinds of things. Interesting. So is that three? Three movement? Four? So you heard three correctly. You heard three. Um, the fourth is a mystery. The fourth is not a mystery. Right now, uh, my intent is push press. Okay. okay. Um, I, I actually went back through some data from the last couple of years, uh, not this year because we didn't do a true strength cycle, but from years previous, mm-hmm. and I looked at strict press numbers, and I no longer believe that the time investment of doing strict press from like a strength building perspective pays off in a class setting. Mm -hmm. Because what I see is that as soon as I looked at the data cut a few different ways, as soon as someone misses a week or two out of a cycle with strict press, the effect, the effect is gone. Right? So I can almost predict your progress in strict press almost Mm -hmm. entirely based on the number of strict pressing sessions you did, Mm -hmm. not in your like progressive overload. Right? Right? It's just like, because there's, I don't know, because it's smaller muscle groups, because there's no momentum, because it's like fighting gravity, because core stability and strength yep. play, play such a big part in it anyways. Mm-hmm. I think 
carry over to other movements and like what we tend to do, I think push press might be a better kind of like overall. But the idea I'm toying with is like having a pressing strength day rather than push press specific. So unlike the other movements that will be pretty stable all the time, we might, what you might see and I'm undecided yet is some weeks the pressing day will be bench. Sometimes it'll be like heavy ring dips. Some days it'll be push press. Some days it'll be something else. So rather than focusing on one movement and trying to tackle pressing that way, it might yeah. be a lot more variety, but just like a dedicated effort at some kind of pressing That's variant instead. That. So undecided there, we'll kind of figure it over the next two weeks. I injured myself at the end of this past open and uh, actually didn't squat, didn't do any, literally anything lower body for about three months and just exclusively did upper body push-ups, bench press, all that kind of stuff. And I was shocked at how big of a return that gave me just like truly yeah. Um, uh, it, yeah it was it was really I really think in interesting general, like i think in general we are not just us but crossfitters in general are weakest in like pressing motions i think we're good at squatting we're good at pulling but our pressing motions if you had to look at all three components would be the weakest yeah across the board we actually see that perfectly right. so we take like Ann Graham and Lisa McNeil are really good examples. They've done, they're CrossFitters that have done powerlifting and at the national level twice now. Um, and what we see is consistently we are even on that stage where it's not even our, our game, right? These, these are athletes that don't train powerlifting. They go to powerlifting meets and they crush deadlift and, and squat and do mediocre at best on the presses, right? And these are, you know, Lisa is objectively the, the strongest female athlete in the gym. So that should tell us something about where one of our weakness areas is at just moving away from that strict press variant because I, I really don't think we get the yeah. return for I'm time gonna investment. Ask you if we're going to see um, bench press coming into workouts. It's hard. So maybe, but like if we think pure logistics and like nightmare. safety, it's kind of a nightmare, right? Because I can't, sp I can't spot. Yeah. Uh, no one can spot all those athletes at a time, and there's really no safe way to fail a bench press. It's the right. only it's the only movement I worry about not being able to to like to save mm. as an athlete. Right. So you go to failure on a bench press, you get crushed, mm. you know. True. But you do that on a back squat. Well, I can teach you how to get from under a back squat or yeah. any of those things. Yeah. So yeah. as much as I would like to, I I think like you know from a risk perspective, I, I'd be far more comfortable with having people do like dumbbell mm -hmm. bench press because at least then you have a way to extract yourself. Right. The other question I was going to ask you without getting too sidetracked, based on strength cycling things, what is your thoughts around like, like let's say we start back squatting again. What, what, what's your opinion on these like ratios? Like if your back squat is X, your front squat should be Y. If your push press, like have you see, obviously seen those tables before. Yeah. What do you think about them and how do they apply to people? So the problem, and I, I'm thankful to have two very statistically literate people in the room. The problem is that those tables, the data that are in them, are generated based on averages, right? And they don't account for individual differences in anatomy mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. They account for the average lifter with the average <laughs> ratios. So for the average person, if you were the hypothetical prototypical average male of height, weight, and limb length, that table would absolutely apply because it is, it's almost derivative. Like, yes, your back squat is going to be stronger than your front squat because there's less core strength involved and you can use more of your big muscles 
in your hamstrings and your glutes and hips than you can in the front squat, right? So of course it's gonna be stronger. Your overhead squat is of course gonna be weaker than your front squat because the bar, it, even more core strength related. Mm -hmm. So they're gonna be weaker and they're gonna be proportional, assuming everything else is equal, they're gonna be proportional to each other. Mm -hmm. Any glare, all glaring weaknesses in technique or like small musculature aside, those numbers work out perfectly. The problem is, is that some people are built to be better at different things. So if I was to look, if I was to use myself as a perfect example, if I was to look at that table, I would say, well, I have either an exceptional overhead squat and I'm, I'm really weak and I need to get a much stronger back squat, keeping my overhead squat the same weight, which would make no sense. Because mm -hmm. if my back squat goes up significantly, I would expect my overhead squat to go up a little bit. Right. Or the alternative is maybe I am built better to be to be better at the overhead squat percentage-wise. Right. Why? Well, I have a really short torso and really long limbs. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm actually meant to be a bad squatter in general compared to other movements. I'm a much stronger deadlifter percentage-wise than I am squatter. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I have very short um, femurs and very long like fib-tib. Mm -hmm. So when I'm in the bottom of a squat position, I shouldn't say very long. Uh, there are people that have actually an even bigger mark difference than I do. But when I pass parallel in a squat, unlike Daffod, who's almost like an equilateral triangle, uh, as an example of if you're trying to visualize someone in the gym, if you're I mean listening to podcasts, uh, Daffod, you have almost <laughs> directly, like your lower leg, upper leg, and torso are almost all the exact same length. Perfectly like, proportioned. Perfectly proportioned. <laughs> when he passes into squat depth, he's maybe like two inches, three inches below parallel. Right. When I pass into squat depth, like, my glutes are on the floor. They're on my heels. Yeah. So like getting out of that hole with even more weight, like in a back squat is obviously going to be much more challenging for me from like a physical perspective than it is going to be an overhead squat because the overhead squat proportional to my total strength of my back squat is much, much, much lighter and it becomes a core strength exercise. Right. So if I look at that table, it's hogwash. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not going to focus on my back squat to, to keep my overhead squat the same, I'm going to focus on my back squat because I just want to get stronger and I'm going to expect my overhead squat to go up well. as a percentage. And that, that like relationship is just, is more flat for me than it is sloped compared right. to other people. Right. And the, I think the same is true. You have to think about those tables for most people and say like, yeah, what are my strengths and weaknesses? Where do I need to get better? But also like, does the line of best fit apply to me in this circumstance? Probably not. That's the answer there. <laughs> yeah. And like, and Steph, I think you have very similar experiences, right? You're a much better puller, Absolutely. but squatting is generally weak. Your pressing is generally weaker than your pulling movements from the floor. Yeah, 100%. I mean, some long arms, and it just, it is really hard for me to press things out. Hard to do handstand push-ups, hard to do, you know, really anything like that. Give me a deadlift any day. Yeah. Like, it is. It's just, and yeah, it's at first, you know, and especially it is, sometimes it feels like a good tool to use. But I think what Pat, what you said is, you know, you need to think about what you want to improve on and maybe what, what those rooms are. And, and, you know, probably that's what the coach is there for. You know, mm -hmm. you think I can improve on X. How, what, what might that, you know, yeah. what's that reason? For sure. So I think to lay it out, we'll go like, just to step back and kind of the macro view, it's going to be like two week full deload strength cycle. We're looking at like 18 weeks probably of the strength cycle. And then we'll be into kind of a preseason volume phase. So like we're talking about the gymnastics weaknesses and the, the strength endurance stuff 
don't be scared. We'll get there as a, like from a cycling perspective. It, it just won't be right away because right. we're going to focus on raw strength first and then we're going to take that strength and put it to good use later. So you'll see the back squat that we're doing in the raw strength phase now. I'm sorry, people need to find this out, but in the next phase, we will at least once or twice do a 20 rep max back squat, hmm. right? So you'll see like a real kind of like peak strength endurance relationship at, hmm. at that rep load. And then we'll kind of see some of these Metcon retests. So we'll definitely retest uh, 20.4. But now, like having seen 20.5, I'm almost certain I'll retest that as a gym as well, right? Because that logistically is fairly easy to set up and run in a class setting, um, especially because people in a class can share rings if they have an idea of what their rep scheme is going to be because you can break it up any way you want to. So it's yeah. it's kind of interesting that way. Um, yeah, it should be should be neat. So strength cycle, lots of strength work. We'll keep our fitness up. For anyone who wants to know, we won't do as much rowing intervals, as many rowing intervals in the off season. We'll uh, we'll trade that in. Um, oh, and the other thing you need to know is that coming out of the two weeks, we will not be going straight into the strength cycle. There will actually be a test week. Because in order to know if our strength cycle works, we need to pre-test right. and post-test. What gets measured gets done. <laughs> right? So you can look forward to seeing um, CrossFit Total and CrossFit Total 2 in the same week in about three weeks at the front and back end of the week. So you'll see a back squat, one rep max, and a front squat. You'll see uh, deadlift. You'll see a power clean. You'll see uh, bench press and strict press all measured. The best way I think to tackle getting those tests done probably is using those total metrics um, in one day. Um, even though we won't use the strict press per se, I, I think we'll it'll help yeah. kind of guide things. Yeah. So it should be fun. Cool. And then uh, you can look forward to retesting 19.4 in May after we've done all the strength work. And 20.4, 20. 20. 19.4. Uh, um, and also... I will figure out how to do it. We will do Linda in a class at some point. Oh, the there's your, bench, there's your bench. bench deadlift. squat weight? clean, deadlift. That's yeah, either percentage loaded or otherwise. <laughs> so since Lisa is giving us the look right now, uh, we'll wrap this up. Thank you very much for listening. Steph, thanks for being a first-time guest. Thanks, guys. Um, really appreciate it. Hopefully, you're still listening. <laughs> Ollie, thanks for coming back yet again to uh, chit-chat, drink beers, eat pizza. I mean, it sounds like a rough go, but whatever. And uh, thanks, and we'll see you all again next time.